0: Oh, praise God. How many are excited today to dissect this word? The food, the daily bread that comes from the Father. <laughs> praise the Lord. Had a full week this week. Um. But God is good. Had an intense week this week, but God is good. And he shows himself in your most complicated moments. He shows himself. So we've been gliding through Genesis and John, and today I'm going to be We have like maybe two more classes in Genesis and John, then we got to switch over to another two books. The truth is, it is impossible for us within these next three months to get through the whole Bible. However, in these next three months, you will learn how to navigate through the whole Bible. So you'll be given the opportunity to understand how to look at the old and the new and combine it. And see how one supports the other. So this is what we're doing. We're we're, we're teaching you how to navigate using two critical and essential books of the Bible, Genesis and John. All right. Last week, we ended with the covenantal language. Praise God. We ended with the covenantal language. And what's good about that is the following. The covenantal language is the language that allows us to understand heaven and earth. Covenantal language is all that heaven understands. That's why without the blood, there was no communication. Life is in the blood. I heard somebody say uh, a couple days ago that there is no blood in heaven. I beg to differ. I believe that there is active blood in heaven, and the blood of Jesus is that blood that right now tells the story of earth. Remember, what do we find in blood? What's that thing that we find in blood? DNA. DNA is what? Information. Information that does what? It tells you about the person and the place the person comes from, things of that nature, right? There is DNA in heaven. And what's interesting is, you know, (laughs) Jesus the Christ was able to take the DNA of Mary and have that DNA of Mary be a part of his DNA in heaven. Even though it is Jesus the Christ who lives. The narrative we understand comes by way of Jesus of Nazareth, which really should be Jesus of Bethlehem. Because if we go with the where you were born, it's different, right? My parents are from the Dominican Republic, but I'm born in the Bronx, in New York, in the United States. So what am I? So where you're born should be the place where you're from, right? Which is what we do, right? But in the case of Jesus, he's more known as Jesus of Nazareth because he was raised in Nazareth, even though he was born in Bethlehem. And mind you, a part of that portion after his birth, he was in Egypt for a little while, trying to get away from Herod the Great who wanted him dead. All right, so now we're going to go into literary genre. We're going from covenantal language to literary, literary genre. Literary genre, genre spelled G E N R E. Genesis is primarily a narrative that covers a wide range of events, including, of course, creation. It also includes the fall of humanity, the stories of the patriarchs, and the formation of the Israelite nation in that order. On the other hand, the Gospel of John is theoretical in nature or and theolo- the- theological in nature it's reflective work is the focus of the life and the power of jesus so john specifically targets jesus as god you want to talk about jesus being god and all-powerful matthew mark and luke is okay but john goes into the power of Jesus as God. you find the book of John and I'm going to start with John this time I always start with Genesis I'm going to start with John you find that John is not too into talking about so many miracles and I said before he only there's only seven miracles in the book of John only seven and of those seven, Five are unique to the book of John. Those five are the following. Water, the wine, the wedding, that's unique to John. You don't find that anywhere else, not in Matthew, not in Mark, and not in Luke. Healing of the official son, you do not find that anywhere else. You find that only in the book of John. Healing of the lame man. Is unique to the book of John. You don't find that in any other book. This particular lame man, this particular story is unique to John. Healing of the blind man. And this particular blind man is not the one we find in Mark chapter 8, 22, the one where he sped in the eyes of the man. No, this one here is John 9, where he told he took mud, sped on the mud, and then put it on the eyes of. blind man and this particular blind man was born blind and number five most people thought that this was found in other places it's only found in John and that is the resurrection of Lazarus the resurrection of Lazarus is the fifth unique to the book of John once you get this You'll be able to navigate through all of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because you already know all the other ones are not in John. And here's the the other thing. The only two that are found in all the others, and this one here is really found in all four. It's the only one found in all four. And that is the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 was obviously one important part of the word. It was obviously uh, something that, that God wanted to make sure he let everybody know. I can use the lunch of a child that was prepared for the child to feed the multitudes. On top of that, I, I grant provision when, and this is good, the story of the, 5, 000, of the feeding of the 5,000 has this major key point that while you are doing and listening to the things of God, God will always provide for you. Let me explain. Those 5,000 men, not including the women and children, if you want to include the women and the children, we could say the feeding of the 22,000. It really is. Because the 5,000 is just counting the men of every household. All the men. So if we count the women and the children... It's substantial. Now, with that said, why would God find it important? Why, what, what compelled Jesus to say, I have to feed these people? You know why? Because they stood for a long time to listen to him. He wanted to make sure that he granted them provision for their labor of listening you are not catching it yet, but you're going to get it. The more you demonstrate your desire to know Jesus, to know his word, the more provision you will have according to something he said 2,000 years ago. So this is a case law that you can use today. And you can say, Lord, you see, I'm, I'm really pushing the envelope. I'm coming from the Bronx to be here, to listen to your word. And according to your word, this is what's given when that happens. Did You hear what I just said? The provision is already part of the plan of God. So all you have to do is present your case. And when you present your case, you will receive the benefits that were received 2,000 years ago. Why? Because in your prayer, you're going to say, you're the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. What you did yesterday... What you're doing today and what you're going to do later on, you don't, you don't stop doing it. You keep doing it. So with that said, I am very clear that what was given to them, those families, from five bread and two fish, here's, here's the miracle there. Five bread, two fish, provided provision for over 22,000 people. And it was intended for a little boy. His innocence was used to be able to propel the giving. Who's with me so far? Don't lose focus. There's a lot in this. And when we look at this particular story, we can find out the heart of God. Or should I say the heart of the Father on a day like today? The heart of the Father is never to cause the person to starve while they're laboring. The heart of the Father is, while you do what I call you to do, I'm going to give you provision you will never lack. Who believes that? I pray you do. Because now you've taken a case that's already in the Bible. A case that already shows God's desire to make sure that we are blessed. He took the small thing and made it the big thing. Now, here's the other part to this story that's very important. What are we preparing you to be in here? Say it it loud. So what's the training? To be able to follow Jesus to get the food? Or to be the one to hold the basket so others can eat. Ah. The desire for everyone who's here today and everyone who's a part of this growth process that we're doing for the next three to six months is to make sure that you're not just a listener or one that's tapping the shoulder to eat. But rather learning how to grab the basket And not even look inside of it to be enticed by it. The training in this church, in this, and I'm going to call it this, because yes, we are a church, but I'm going to call it the training center. The flow has converted into a training center to make sure that everybody is capable of holding a basket. Listen to this. The basket must have smelled really good too, by the way. I'm sure Judas thought about it three times. Poor Judas, right? He catches all the heat. I can imagine all the other ones. You know, it's like, whoa, look at this. Fish and, because the fish was sushi, fish and bread. And it was multiplying right before them. It never lacked. So every time they went to a family, they looked in it again, it was still packed. But the story is not just about that. The story is that God takes care of those who work with him. By the way, this story is in John chapter 6. For those of us who want to read it later on, John chapter 6. The biggest part of this story is the fact that God didn't just think of the multitude, the general populace. He also thought about those who are working to give to the general populace. His game plan was simply this. I give you baskets. What I need you to do is not to tap into the baskets. I don't care how hungry you are. Do you think the disciples were hungry? I mean, they were with with everybody else, right? So that means that they were hungry too. And if they were hungry, then let's talk about that for a minute. When God puts something in front of you that looks so tempting, but it's not for you. When he can trust you to be the delivery man or woman. And he's telling you, I want you to carry this thing to that family. You've got to be able to go and do exactly that without looking in there, without saying, oh, can I have maybe a little piece? Just a little piece. Can I have a piece? The minute you say, can I have a piece, you disqualify yourself. And then you go, I can't believe I don't have anything. You took from someone else what was intended for them. So God said, I'm going to do in the same proportion, remove what I have for you at the end. Because guess what he has at the very end? He has 12 baskets left over. The word says there were 12 baskets left over. 12, why? Because there were 12 disciples. So each one of them got their own basket hambre If you're hungry, this is what's going to be given to you. Go home now because I think of you because you thought of them. Ooh, that's, that's a motto. I think of you because you thought of them. You want God to think of you? Then think of somebody else. And that thought process of that person, God will say, yes, I need you to be my partner in this. Work with me so that I can work on them and be my partner. And what's crazy is all 12 of them were partners with Jesus. I said all 12 of them were partners. All 12. Thomas the doubter, Philip the great, greatest, uh, greatest doubter, one that got away with it because no one calls Philip the doubter. That's messed up. You know Philip? You know, Philip was one of the ones who actually told Jesus during the feeding of the 5,000. He had the nerve to tell Jesus, "Um, "Do you know that this is not going to be enough for all these people. Where are we going to get this money? After seeing Jesus do what he does, because that's what we do, we forget. Everybody, Everybody say, I forget. We just forgot. We just forget. And so Philip forgot. That in those moments, Jesus was doing a, a, a crescendo that was going to lead into that moment. I'm not just showing up doing miracles now. You've seen me do them all along. So John gives you a description. Now, one, one area I want to show you, I do want to take you there, John. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 66. Let's get into the Word. John 6, verse 66. Because there are going to be people that will follow you, even though you have their food, they will follow you for the food and not for the basket. There are people that they don't want the basket. Leave me alone. Go to church. I go once a week. That's that's all I need to hear. I don't need to do nothing else. I want to do nothing else all week long. I don't want to deal with people. I can't stand people. So they don't get the basket. But when it's time to get the food, they're there. Let's start, actually, you know what, let's start with verse uh, 60. Keep it in context. John 6, 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? This is after, by the way, this is after Jesus said the craziest thing. You know what Jesus said? I'm going to have you guys look at it this way. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That sounds like a vampire move. And here Jesus is saying, I need y'all to do, this is how you're going to receive that salvation. And of course, they're, they're losing their heads. They can't believe it. So they're complaining. So Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Now, he's not talking to the people. He's talking to his disciples. This is why this is important. Disciples means discipline. And they go hand in hand. But we rather get the results of disciples and not the approach or the process of disciples. Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Let me say that again. Human effort accomplishes Nothing. You can't make yourself holy based on your human efforts. Can I bring that one home? You cannot, I don't care how, I don't care if they show you a picture of what holiness looks like. You can never fulfill holiness. Jesus said here, human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you don't believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. All right, so who else was with him? Who else was around him? See, every little bit of this word you gotta you gotta pay attention to. You thought it was only the twelve that are disciples. Jesus had accounted for 70 disciples. He had a group that he had inner that were 12. And then he had another group that was inner, inner, that were three. Because that was the structure of Jesus the 70, the 12, and the three. If you really want to break it down, I'll break it down even further. The 500, the 120, the 70, the 12, and the three. That's a whole congregation. He wanted to make sure that they knew what he was saying was true, regardless of them not understanding. People sometimes leave a place where their blessing is because they don't understand. And instead of trying to investigate more, they walk away because of lack of understanding. What's interesting is that John chapter 6, verse 66, is where they all walked away. Nobody caught it yet. John 6 6 6. The author of Revelations was John, the same John who wrote the book of John. Do you find it interesting that John 6 6 6 is where the separation is? I didn't see that. I couldn't see. Oh, thank you. That's what that, that was a 15? Praise the Lord. <laughs> so when you look at the picture, in its entirety, then you're able to understand that what we follow, we may not understand right away. Or who we follow, what we follow and who we follow, it is a process to understand. Like why are you here and not in a big mega church right now? Why didn't you find another place to go to? Think about that for a minute a place where everything's set, you know, they they got all the chairs laid out, they got the lights for the children with your name, your child XYZ is acting up, come and get them. Seriously, why not go to a church that's already fully established? Well, let me tell you about those fully established churches. They went through the grind, and they went through the process. Even where we are today, we went through the grind. We're still going through the grind, and we're going through the process. That even when the city says, "Eh, we need this, 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 and that, are we complying? Is there less than 40 people here? Praise God, and we're complying. But see, what the devil doesn't know is that one person equals a 1,000. So this room... It's not just if I can get you to become a disciple of Jesus the Christ and not just a follower, I have achieved getting you to be a thousandaire. And I'm talking about souls now. You are now able to draw souls because now you're understanding the book of John, the book of Genesis, the beginnings of, at least take them through the beginning. That's enough. Some of you are just going to be ambulances, and that's okay. I shouldn't say just because we need ambulances to bring them into the place of triage. I've always wondered why the name triage, like you meet the Father, Son, Holy Spirit triage. I don't know. It's that place where God meets you because you're broken, and you were brought in by someone who understood that you were broken. Amen? All right. Let's continue because I want to make sure I cover a good portion. I used that particular miracle, but I I kind of want to touch on some other ones. The divinity of Christ. Historical context. I want us to take a look at two different areas. From literary genre to historical context. And look at, now we're going to go to Old Testament. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, just like John chapter 6, is kind of controversial in that it doesn't give too much information on how it happened. Well, that's what makes it a miracle, right? If you can figure it out, it's not a miracle anymore. If you can figure it out, it's not a miracle. You took away the miracle part of it. So we go to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, We find out the story, that's that's that we've talked about before, Cain and Abel, but there's something that happens after that that most people don't talk about, and the reason why they don't talk about it because they only think that it's it's a a genealogy, and it's beyond a genealogy. It's talking about the origins of things. So Cain kills Abel. Let's let's do a little 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 uh, recap. Cain kills Abel. Abel is no longer in the picture. Cain and Abel are both disqualified to be inheritors. Cain, because he ki- Cain was the oldest, by the way. Cain because he killed his younger son, his, y- his younger brother, rather, Adam's younger son. And when that takes place, after he kills him, he's now given a mark. This mark that he receives is interesting because it's a mark of you are untouchable. No one can touch you. And because no one can touch you, do whatever you feel like because was his heart right? Let me repeat that again. Was Cain's heart right? Was he restored? Did he repent? Or was he feeling what? Remorse. Because who caught him? God. When God catches you, two things that seem similar but are not the same is repentance and remorse. Remorse is I got caught out there. You do the same thing as a repent, like when you repent. The difference is when you repent, you start that feel before getting caught. That's repentance. So let's take a look at this. Let's go to verse 17. Everybody knows the story. We've gone over this one time and again. Cain replied, my punishment is so great to bear. You have banished me from the land, so on and so forth. Look what he says that makes me understand that we need to pay attention to the story. Cain replies that, right? He says, my punishment, by the way, that's verse 13. I'm sorry. Go to verse 13 first. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land, and from your presence. You have made me made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. If you are a Genesis reader, you now got to chapter 4. You read chapter 1, creation, chapter 2, the creation of Adam, chapter 3, the fall of man... Now you're in chapter 4. Adam. From Adam in chapter 2 to the fall of man in chapter 3 to now chapter 4, Cain killing Abel. And now you're going, who's going to kill him? Because there's nobody else they've talked about. The only people that are in, in there, the stars of the show is Adam and Eve. And of course, Satan is in there. But what? people is he talking about is he saying if my parents find me, why did he say my parents if my parents find me they'll kill me he's saying anyone no we're not there yet he's going anyone who finds me will kill me who is anyone if no one else was in quotes created so so understand something It's quite possible that if you read the Bible carefully, you'll find the answer. Where Genesis chapter 1 speaks of the creation of male and female. He created them. And Genesis chapter 2 speaks of Adam being created by himself first in the Garden of Eden to tend to the garden. He was created as a caretaker of this beautiful holy place where death would not enter in. He was created to be the ambassador of humanity to present to God. He was a presenter to say we're in good standings. So Adam became literally the representation of humanity. So whatever he did was going to affect all humanity at that time. What am I saying? You notice I'm saying humanity. What I'm telling you is that Genesis chapter 1 is a separate creation. I proved this before. I I need to make sure you guys grab it and really understand it. The order of creation lets you know that these are two separate scenarios. You can't argue that. I've seen people try to argue. I'm like, stay there. Don't go anywhere else. Just stay there. Genesis chapter 1 says... On day number five, on day five, look it up, you find that every animal of the sea, birds of the sea, birds and, and animals of the sea were all created on that day. Then on day number six, in the earlier part of the day, animals were created, land animals were created, and then humans were created later on that day, on the sixth day. And it doesn't say he created one. Let's go to Genesis one twenty six, so we can read it from the, from the word. Genesis one i I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I have to get to chapter 4. Look what it says. Then God said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea. Fish in the sea, male and female. God created the male and female already. Birds in the sky, he created the males and female already. The livestock All the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So he's saying, let us make them. Let's create humans like we already created the animals and have them be the ones over them. Is that what I'm reading? Is everybody seeing that? So the animals were already created. And then God, so then God says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. I read that. Twenty-seven. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. He didn't tell that to Adam. Adam had not yet been placed in there. These things were happening simultaneously. Adam was removed from being created with everyone else so that he can have the story and the narrative that leads to the Messiah. He needed to be isolated from everyone else. But yet he was to be the main character to make sure that the lineage is untarnished. See, because we find out something that happens later on. God is a genius. Everybody say God is a genius. He's a genius because he does one thing for another. Take a look at the animals, the ones we call dinosaurs today. What was the reason for dinosaurs? You know what dinosaurs were for for at the time? Their purpose was to be able to do what? Oh, time. Got you. That looks more like the number. They had to grab the seeds from the mountains, travel with the seeds in their bellies. You know you can see that today with elephants? Do you know elephants cause seeds to travel miles to create oasises in other places? So these dinosaurs were created to do exactly that. They took seeds, and they had it in there, and they would spread, and it would create forests. But with a big animal like a brontosaurus, what else do you need? You need sanitation. So along with creating a big animal that can move large masses of land, we need something that can eat them. Because if not, it, it, it's, it becomes a mess, so the ecosystem has to function. Who's understanding what I'm saying? You know you're a part of an ecosystem when you go to the bathroom, right? Okay, I'm just trying to help you. You're looking at me strange, so I just want to help you out. There is an ecosystem that takes place every morning. When you go to the bathroom, that is an ecosystem. The water that was in you was water somewhere else in the world. You are traveling with water. You are a water carrier. And no water in you remains in you forever. So the water you had last year in you is all gone, all gone. Brand new water. Whether it comes out the way it comes out of me. See this? That transfer takes place all the time. So that's what took place here. All right, now that I've made that clear, that Genesis 1 and 2 is different, That means we must agree that Genesis 4 has people that he's afraid of. He's not going to be fearful of his mother and his father. You know, what are they going to do to me? They're going to kill me. No, he's not worried about them. He's worried about the people that already populated the earth. God knows how to do things. So what happens next? Let's go to 4. Now we're going to talk about the origin of things. How many people here love music? How many people just don't feel like raising their hands? Thank you, Jesus. Let's read. Here's the other confusing part. If there's no... If if Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel were the only humans on the earth then what in the world is this next next one here? Where'd she come from? Cain, let's go to verse 17 now. Verse 17. Cain had sexual relations with his wife. She became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. By the way, this is not Enoch, Genesis 521. This is a different Enoch. Then Cain founded a city, not a town, not a village, but a city. How in the world you got one wife, you had a child, his name is Enoch, and now you have a city? Where did the city come from? Remove the thought process that that was his sister. It was not his sister. Just take it it out because there was no sister Adam and Eve had not had another child. It was only Cain and Abel. You'll see how I know for sure with what comes next. So this Enoch kid, son of Cain, ends up being the name of the city, Enoch. Names the city Enoch, Cain names the city Enoch after his son because nobody could touch him. Ah, no, you can't touch me. I just feel like naming the city Enoch. And what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything to me. I got the mark. Having the mark gave him power. Remember two weeks ago I said he's an extortionist? Yeah, that's exactly what he turned into. And we see his genes or his line or his lineage all be a part of the four things that have been corrupted. Corrupted. Four things that have been corrupted. Let's go. Let's take a look. So Enoch had a son named, uh, okay, which he named Enoch. Enoch had a son named Irad. Right, there we go. Irad became the father of Mehujal. Mehujael became the father of Methushal. Methushal became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. What did Lamech do? So what do we see? The beginning of what? Polygamy. For the first time, now we see this area of sex, polygamy, because Lamech marries two women. The first one was named Ada, and the second was Zila. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the first of those who raised livestock and lived in tents. So, what do we see now? Raising livestock and living in tents. What was the reason for raising livestock? Exchange, purchase. Now we see so with sex money. Here we go. Who raised of Libes? His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who play harp and flute. So we got sex, money, music. Let's go to the next one. Lamech's other wife, Zula, gave birth to a son named Tubal Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal came, had a sister named Nama. Let's stop there. So we got sex, money, music, and weapons. What makes the world go round? What do we use today we find that each one of these were one after the other because that was going to be the propaganda of the enemy. He was going to use all four of those areas to corrupt it because sex is not bad when you don't have, right? You got got this area of money. Money is not, guys, money is not bad. It's a lie. Listen to me carefully. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. If not Jesus, God would not use money. But the love of money is the root. When you love money, that's the problem. And in music, we know music is not bad. Music comes from heaven, but the enemy has used music to corrupt because that's his best way. His best form of propaganda is by way of music. You want to get a crowd of people to do something wrong? Just throw your guns in there. Remember that? Do all the things that you would want to be wrong through music, and people just start dancing to it, knowing it's wrong. You know, chop his head off and kill the police. Uh, you know, whatever it is, because it's in melody, it sounds good. So it must be okay. Because the enemy has used music as a means of mesmerizing. Anybody ever heard of the Pied Piper? The term pi- Y'all know the story of the Pied Piper? Pied Piper is none other than the devil who was given an opportunity to do something in a village. And when he went, he went to solve a problem because they had rats so sometimes the person who's getting rid of the rats may not be the right person. Let me, let me say it again. Sometimes when you hire someone to take care of a problem that they know about, it may not be that they are holy, but that they know about rats. you still didn't get it? So here he is with his flute. Knowing that the rats are going to follow, but he did a deal. And he told them, if I get rid of your rats, what will you do for me? And he gave them, he told, he had to, they had to pay him a fee. Guess what? He got rid of the rats, and they said, oh, no, you know, we kind of messed up the deal. Don't worry about it. We'll, 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 we'll take a rain check. We'll take care of you later on. He said, oh, really? You just danced with the devil. Now watch what happens next. He used the same flute and caused all the children in the town to follow him. Interesting enough, the only one that was survived was the one that was crippled. Sometimes the broken ones are the ones that won't follow. Y'all didn't catch that. That's good. Sometimes the one that, that can't really catch up is the one who's getting saved. Mm. Sometimes the one who's handicapped is the one who got it right and didn't get to follow, and God allowed them to be handicapped so they wouldn't go to the cave. Yeah. That, that story has a lot in it. And the, the deal was, you know, we'll, we'll release, you know, a few, the exchange. Because the rat knew about the rats. And the rat knew that at the end of the day, his desire wasn't to see anybody blessed. He wanted to make sure he took the children. What do you think the devil's plan has always been to take? I just heard something that it, it, it really, really messed me up. And I hope you guys can, can agree with me that I hope it messes you up too because the president of the United States decided to honor Pride, Pride Month, right? It's not so much, okay, listen. Here's the problem. That when you go far, then you go farther. Because you're a a transvestite, you're not considered naked if you remove your top. Even if you did whatever work on it, even if it looks exactly like it, it's okay for you to let that thing go. So you know what happened? How many people know the story? You know the story already? Okay, only a couple of you. All right. What happened was a transvestite decided, trans, transgender, sorry, thank you, decided to remove everything publicly to show freedom. And there's a difference, difference between freedom and Liberty. And we think freedom is me entering your space because it's my, I feel good about entering your space. That's not freedom. I just invaded. And I've been saying this time and again. And when I saw this, at, uh, this recently, it made me understand how the agenda of the enemy, even in Genesis chapter 4, has gone and transcended to today. Because what we don't know is Genesis 4 lets us know one thing. But Genesis chapter 6 teaches us something else. Genesis 6, I think you mentioned it earlier. The Nephilim. Let's get into the Nephilim real fast. This is going to be really good. I only have what? Zero minutes? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be able to go. Time's up. Next week is Nephilim. I know... This is only for now, guys. This is a season. This is a season, you know, but I'm glad we're doing it this way so you can get it in parts and you can get into it and you can go home and you can read whatever you need to read so you can dive in and come back and go, okay, I'm ready. Is it zero minutes as in? Oh, God. That was kind of fast. What time is it? What what, what time is it? Q&A, oh, there's things, there's things, guys, there's things, all right, we'll save it for next week, we'll, 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 (laughs) all right, here's the trailer, real fast, real fast, the trailer is this, when we talk about the Nephilim, I just did a, a podcast a couple of days ago, I don't know if you guys got to see it. Raquel, go on, my, my, Raquel Pena, MD, oh. it's on, no, it's not on my page, I haven't put it on my page, well, on mom's page, there you go, very good, all right, so listen, guys, on the podcast, I was talking about the crossbreeding, remember what God said, he said, every one of their kind, he said, each one of their kind, they will then do what, be what, fruitful and Multiply of their kind. This is how you know that color doesn't separate of your kind. Because we produce and reproduce and reproduce. But when you get a horse and you get a donkey that seemingly look the same but they're not. What happens? You get yourself a mule. And the mule does not reproduce. You can't get a male mule and a female mule to get together and we have more mules. It doesn't happen. Because it's sterile. Because it's not part of the master plan of God. If you get a lion, even though they're felines, a lion and a tiger, you get a liger. So they do produce one time. But if you get two ligers together, nothing. So what is the Nephilim? That's for next week. That, y'all, y'all said y'all want a trailer. That's for next week. Praise God. And, 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 when I, and when I tell you, when I tell you this, I tell you this. For those of you who really want to start knowing these little things in the Bible, make it your business. To tell God, look, look how all this comes together. In the book of John, God said, I will feed you and provide for you if you do my business, if you're around me. If you're around me, I will provide for you. That means that while you're doing this here, God will provide for you.